Hey everyone, this is Dave Dubow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from Manhattan, New York, Mr. William Morales. William, how are you doing today, my friend? I am good, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I've been looking my, forward my to this pleasure. for a few days. Really, I think about a week or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. William's a fellow real estate entrepreneur and podcaster and and he's also a creative real estate investor. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. I'll be getting back to my roots because that's how I got started in real estate way, <laughs> way, way back in the day. So William, why don't you tell us a little bit about, first of all, how did you get inspired about real estate investing in the first place? You know, the weird thing, Dave, is that I currently work in a hospital. And the previous hospital that I worked in, I was meeting a sales rep, you know, medical sales rep. And he was telling me, oh, you should get into real estate. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I just brushed it off. This was maybe 2006, give or take. Yep. Anyway, that year I was called for jury duty and I was on hold for like two or three days. And I've gotten a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When I read that the little, book. That little purple book, huh? Yep. Exactly. So that book just inspired me. I bought my first book. I think it was, I think it was called The Beginner's Guide to Real Estate Investing. That, I remember that book and it was really good, but Dave, it took me seriously maybe a couple of months before I even picked it up. So fast forward, I went to my first uh, seminar. I was a seminar junkie for a few years. And it was the Real Estate Wealth and Expo show here in New York City. And then from there, I just started going to more and more seminars. And I just want your audience to know, it took me from 2007 to 2017, so 10 years before I, I did anything. I did buy real estate stocks. I invested in REITs and things like that because I was all over the place. I wanted to do fix and flip mm -hmm. thanks to HGTV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tax lien investing, buy and hold, wholesaling. I mean, it was There's just a too, you, you got overwhelmed with too many options, it sounds like. Too many opportunities. Yeah. 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 And then it was until the end of 2016, I saw a webinar on owner financing and it just hit me, Dave. I said, that's what I want to do. Nice. And, and then so, I started with my first property in September of 2017. And then a few years later, which was last year, I bought my second property. But right. yeah, I, just to tell your audience, pick something and just stay with it. Don't be like me <laughs> and be all over the place. Well, yeah, because then you get stuck with analysis paralysis, right? I mean, it's just like... And the shiny object syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, let's walk through these creative deals because when you're telling me a little bit about them off camera, it kind of brought back some memories. So let's, let's some talk good about ones the first one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inter interesting times for sure. So, so tell me about the first deal. So the first property I saw after I saw the webinar in late 2016 and begin around 2017, early 2017, I started studying the markets. So I picked Pittsburgh and this is September, I think of 2017. I saw a property on realtor.com. I called the realtor up and I said, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want to do. I want to buy and then sell it on owner finance. He goes, yeah, yeah, we could do that. But the property was on sale for 27000 It was bank owned. I offered 8000 in cash. He said, no, that's too low. That's okay, but that's my offer. About two weeks later, he calls me up and says, hey, is your offer still available? And I'm, my heart started beating so fast because I'm like, oh my God, they might accept it. So I said, yes, I should offer five, but I did do the eight. The property needed more cosmetic repairs, a lot of paint. He found me a tenant buyer within a couple of weeks after that. And I sold it for the value that the bank wanted to sell it for, 27000 So I got a note on it 
for eight years. And it's been four years coming this month that the guy's been paying me on time. Even through COVID, he paid me on time. He could cash me anytime out he wants, but you know, I'm not pushing him. (laughs) So that was the first deal. So how much did the guy put down as a down payment when he bought it? It was 10% down payment, so 2700 bucks. All right. I charged him 8% interest, if I remember correctly. So my payment is, I think, three forty two oh seven less $35, because I, I got a loan servicing company. Mm-hmm. Anybody could just Google that loan servicing company in your area. And the one I got in Pittsburgh was through the realtor. We got a tennis screening company through him. Again, pretty much he gave me everything. He had all the connections. But since then, I started getting my own connection by going to meetups and just doing the podcast. I mean, you know how it goes, Dave. You start meeting people and you say, mm-hmm. hey, this guy might be able, we might be able to work together. So that's where I'm at now with that first property. Cool. So what was, what would you say were some of the biggest lessons you learned from that first big deal? That uh, the first, deal, first the first, the, yeah, the first deal was not to give up. And I kind of did. I, I didn't talk to the realtor and say, well, listen, it's been on the market for over 90 days, which is what it was between 90 to hundred days on the market. I didn't push on that and say, Hey, you know, I don't think the bank's going to get any other offer. I, I can give you cash. I showed them proof of funds. So being more persistent and following up, I didn't do as, I should have done more of it. And I didn't. I was lucky that he called me back, the realtor, a couple of weeks later and was nice enough to say, hey, is your offer still available? And I said, sure. So that was the biggest thing. It's just following up. I have a tendency of not following up as much as I should. All right. Now let's fast forward a couple of years and you did your next deal. So you're still working full time, correct? I still work full time. Yeah. Yeah. This one, like the first, now this one to tell your audience, I didn't go to Pittsburgh. The realtor was nice enough to get pictures, videos and everything. Never went to Pittsburgh. The second deal was in Orlando. I have a no, oh, let me back up for a second, yeah. if you don't mind. Okay, so you paid eight grand for this property. Most people, we got a lot of Canadian listeners are going, is that even humanly possible? Obviously, <laughs> it is. <laughs> the average house, the average price of a house in Canada these days, William, is is around six hundred thousand dollars. You live in Manhattan. You're used to very yeah. Expensive. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see for sure. That's like why you're investing number. outside of your backyard. Yeah. But I'm curious, what was in it for the realtor? I mean, because if, if you bought it for eight grand, how much did the realtor make on that deal? I'm like it, next to nothing. The bank, pretty much, well, I think he, if I remember correctly, he had a fixed amount from the bank. So he represented the bank, but then he represented me. So I gave him that incentive. So I gave him a month's rent, which was, I think it was like $1,200. Plus I gave him an extra $500 as a bonus. Usually they're not supposed to take it, but I said, listen, Talk to you. This, this is for the first deal we're talking about, right? First deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was able to to offer him a month's rent. A average rent in Pittsburgh is like twelve hundred. Now my mortgage with this guy was only, like I said, I think it's three forty two. But I knew the rents in that area. I did my research. I went to I think City Data, and I just started doing more and more research. And I just offered him a month's rent, and plus, like I said, a five hundred dollar bonus, and he was happy with it. That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave Debo, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio, and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. 
Again, that's book at chatwithdave.com. That was for helping you find the tenant, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, yeah. I'm just kind of thinking about him. He didn't make much money on the sale, but at least you worked with him throughout the whole thing. So he probably made a few grand at least on, on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was so good. I don't think he's in the business anymore because I, I think I tried to reach out to him like a year or two later after that. And I never got an answer back. So I don't know if he's in the business. Um, tough, tough to make a living with those kind of deals. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But he, he said that he, you know, he was getting money from the bank. You know, the bank was, uh, you know, yeah. I guess they had a fixed rate or something. I, I don't know. I really never got yeah. into it with him. So. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Now let's fast forward to your second deal. What did that one? So this one was a lease purchase in Orlando. So, that, so another word for that, you guys, is rent to own. So you're doing uh, rent to own. Right. Yep. Yeah. So this was through Zillow. Now I want to tell your audience that the last couple of times I've been on Zillow, I found that some people are taking someone else's address mm-hmm. and using it at the, as their own. So I reported these guys to Zillow. So I want your audience to make sure that whoever owns it. Yeah. yeah because yeah. the number that's on that, and I just want to talk about that first. It was on the property. This was recently. It was, uh, I think a, a 407 number. The person contacted me and says, hey, you know, my wife's phone is, I mean, my phone is not working. So I have to use this number, which is my wife's, which is a 908 number. So I kind of had suspicion, make a long story short. He had a property that he said he wanted to sell, rent to own. My brother went out there to look at it. And when my brother knocked on the door, he said that there was already a couple in there. I text this guy back and says, hey, somebody said that this property is bought. The guy whoever it was says, oh, that's impossible. I got to talk to my wife. And he never got back to me. That's over <laughs> a week and a half ago. So I just want your audience to know, be careful. Yeah, so a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of scumbags out there ripping people off. Yeah. Thought, yeah. So this property was through Zillow. <laughs> Ironic, but I contacted the owner. It was for sale by owner. And when I contacted him, it was on the market for maybe 60 days or something like that, give or take. And I offered him, I said, listen, I can give you full price if you let me pay you in terms. You know, in other words, I give you monthly payments. I'll give you what you want. I think he wanted, I think, if I remember correctly, 260 or 270. Um, I gave him full price and he accepted it. Three-year contract I have with him. And I got a tenant buyer, which is, I think, two years with him. The number is, I got it for 270, sold it for 285. I think I'm paying him, if I'm correct, I think it's 1500 and I'm and I'm getting back sixteen fifty from the tenant buyer, so I'm making about a one fifty to two hundred dollars. This cash one, flow, yeah. yeah, cash flow. And on the back end, I made a fifteen thousand, so I got ten percent down. So that was twenty seven thousand. I got one hundred fifty dollars cash flow, and I got fifteen thousand in the back end. So that's so that's it, called a sandwich lease deal. That one, so exactly. Yeah. And my brother was thank God that he was out there because he was my eyes and ears, and he said, "Yeah, it's a great neighborhood." He went in, took pictures, and he said, "Yeah, if I was." If I wanted to move in here, I would. So that's are, you, are you taking advantage of the mortgage pay down in the meantime, or did the guy own it free and clear? He owns, no, he has, he has a mortgage on it. That's why I did a lease purchase. Yeah. And I think I want to do that too, even if he's free and clear, you know, just to give him an incentive to say, hey, you know, if, some, if I don't pay you, just take the house back. You don't need to foreclose. So I did it that way. He has a mortgage on it. I, I don't know how much he has left. I have it in my paperwork, but the goal was to cash him out within three years. So with your tenant buyer, he put down 10%. So you got a nice chunk of cash up there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, are you giving him rental credits or something like that? Or no, no rental credits. I've been talking to a lot of people about it because they say because of Dodd-Frank Act, which your your audience can look it up. 
I didn't want to give him any rental credits. So I'm not giving no rental credits and I'm not getting any myself. It's just pretty mm-hmm. much no interest is pretty much principal pay down. We pass a taxes and insurance to the tenant buyer, but that money that I get, I put it away. I never touched it just in case if I, mm-hmm. I need that money, you know, if I need to foreclose or evict it, more foreclose on the tenant buyer, I have that money set aside. Smart. Yeah. Cause that's a big, a big challenge some folks have when they're doing sandwich lease type deals or rent own in general yeah. as they run out and spend the money right away. And then something happens with the deal. And I was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I still have a full-time job Dave, yeah. for now until I could feel comfortable that I can have that extra money on the side. So William, are you planning to continue on with the creative yes. deals? Or are you going to start getting into more traditional deals or just stick with the creative ones? No, definitely creative for now. I'm still looking, making offers at least two to three a day. I mean, wow. I'm doing, yeah, I, yeah, I just go to fizzbo.com, for sale by owner.com, Zillow. I even did a Facebook Marketplace. And I just send a, a simple note Hey, my name is William. I'm an investor. I might not be the perfect buyer for you, or I might not be a typical buyer for you, but I'm just offering another option just in case if you can't sell outright. It's mm-hmm. much shorter than that, but I try That's to convey that message that, hey, you know, this is, this and do you focus option. on specific markets? Are you focusing on Philadelphia or are you focusing on a few different markets? A few different markets. Orlando is one. Pittsburgh is a second one. I started Cleveland. And the third one is New Jersey, which is pretty much by, not my backyard, but um, pretty close. Relative. Pretty close by. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I, yeah. those markets. And I just send a simple text message through Google Voice. Okay. And what kind, so if you're doing two or three of these a day, how many responses or replies do you get on average in a week, let's say? Okay. If I do 10, I might get maybe one response, mm-hmm. maybe two, if that. But yeah. it's usually one. Sometimes I might not get any response. So now my cycle is coming up because I started this in August. So I'm going to reach back out to the buyers. I mean, the sellers that didn't respond the first time, I'm going to do a follow-up. Yeah. I make sure I put the date, I put the link, you know, through Zillow or for sale by own. I just copy the, you know, the link and I just put it on a, on a Google spreadsheet. Spreadsheet. Yeah. Keep yeah. track of everything. Yeah. Keep track of everything. Yeah. Cool. 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 William. So tell us a little bit about your podcast and why you got into the whole podcasting thing as well. Oh, thank you. It's, well, it's called Peer-to-Peer Real Estate Podcast. Peer with the number two, <laughs> a peer. You know, interview, obviously, guys like yourself and anybody that's in the real estate business. I mean, I've interviewed guys that are home inspectors, electricians, just anybody that's in the business. I just find it fascinating that why did you get into real estate and how and how do you get your, your clients? So I love stuff like that, talking to people from all walks of life that are involved in real estate, whether you're an investor or not. Fantastic. Very good. So people yeah. can find that at peer2peerrealestate.com, correct? Yes, sir. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes. William, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for spending some time with us here today. Well, listen, Dave, it's a pleasure. And thank you you know, to, to your audience for listening. And I hope I provide a little bit of value. Thank you very much. I think you did. All right. Thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.